Hello guys and welcome back to another episode of Supercoach Mates. Well round 16 is done and dusted um, and we are just going to quickly reflect on the round, how we went. We've copped a few injuries this week to some maybe not so critical players but some people out there might have them um, and we're just going to go through some scarce trade options and have a look forward to next week. So I've just got Thomas here tonight. Um, I believe Jonas is enjoying the warm sunshine of Bali. Um, so he's on a well-earned holiday. So it's just Thomas tonight. Um, so as we always do, um, we'll just quickly touch on how we went this weekend. So just to score a good player and a bad player from the weekend, uh, Thomas. Yeah, so I scored just under 2,600, so 25.77. Um which was good with looking look, I was looking at t- above 2700 at one point when uh Petrarca and Oliver decided to go bonkers but um got held back significantly obviously holding English still doesn't help basically play with 21 players with Rioli barely scoring um and Goldstein probably was the worst of the week just cracking over 50 I don't know what, what went wrong there but I think the whole North Melbourne team decided to fall asleep after quarter time um so that's a bit disappointing and a bit worrying going forward if that's what they're going to dish up every second week. But I guess, yeah, definitely stars around. Probably two that um, have suffered a little bit over the last couple of weeks, Zach Merritt and, and Christian Petrarca decide to pull the, pull the, yes. pull the scores out of their asses. And I think Petrarca top scored of the, the entire round with the close to a 190 score and then Merritt, Merritt a 140 with three goals to give the win to the Don, so pretty impressive with those two, and I guess um, gives their scoring credentials back after a pretty poor run of scores from the both, respectively, for the last couple of weeks. But how did you go, Nathan? Yeah, I was pretty much the same. I was 25-45. Um, so, best player of the week, well, I mean, at this stage of the year, we should probably really be at full premium, but I'm actually going to give it to Jack Sinclair this week. Um, he wasn't my highest scorer, um, but he he got tagged out of the game last week, and I was really worried about St Kilda on Friday night. I thought Carlton might give them a bit of a touch-up, um, and they just let Sinclair do whatever the heck he wanted. He just literally had no one on him all night. Um, he found his way to 150, um, so, um, yeah, I think he was probably the best player of the week and the worst player of the week. Well, when you score 2,500, you probably don't really have anyone. But um, this is actually going to be a rage trade for me this week. I've had enough of him. And he's never touching my side again. I don't care if this player comes out and scores 155 weeks in a row. And he's the number one scorer. He will never be in my side again. And that is Isaac Heaney, um, who I only bought in about five weeks ago. Um, 67 points. Literally, I don't know what's going on with him and John Longmire, but please, Longmire, get him up into the midfield. He's being wasted in the forward line. Um, and I'm still not happy with Braden Proust from last week, so I'm going to give another clip to Braden Proust because I've been playing with 21 players for the last two weeks. So, yeah, Braden, again, please don't do that again. All right. Right. Um, so, obviously... As we touched on, we're just going to quickly go through each of the games. So, obviously, as we touched on, unfortunately, some players copped some injuries. 
um, which probably isn't ideal at this time, given that trades are at a premium. Um, so we'll start with the Brisbane Bulldogs game. And obviously the two big injuries here, are Daniel Rich and Dane Zorko. Um, I think Zorko lasted less than five minutes and I think Rich went out in the second or third quarter. Um, so obviously these two are both defender and in Zorko's cases also midfielder. Um, so I guess you've probably got to get rid of these two, but given the fact that they're probably going to fall quite significantly, especially Zorko, um, what would you be doing, Thomas, if you had both of these players? Um, well, apparently Zorko wasn't initially, apparently they said he did his hamstring within the first five minutes. Um, and then he came on at half time saying it was just a bit of awareness and, you know, it could be a test for next week. So could have just been an early situation where they said, wrap it up, don't risk it. Um, especially considering they were doing quite well. Um, so I guess he's a wait and see with him because of his significant price drop. He could well be you know, below 400k quite quickly, um, depending on what the break-evens were. And Dan Rich, I guess, his, his one was the unlucky one because um, I know there was a bit of conversation surrounding replacements for Stewart, and he was one included with alongside Bailey Dale, and Bailey Dale scores almost a 140, and then Dan Rich um, was on track for a really good score and then pinged his hamstring as well. So I guess it's first of all, wait and see to see how long they are. But I guess, yeah, if you're looking for a trade-out option, um, there's not too many, unfortunately, because all the defenders are doing really well at the moment and they're all priced super high. But um, I guess you've got Lockie Whitfield, who's who's doing okay in the new under the new coach. And even, yeah, as, as we spoke off, off air, Nathan mentioned Nick Dacos. He's obviously someone that has just strung really consistent footy over the last couple of weeks and scored crazy good, um, pretty much playing a Sinclair-type role. Um but just obviously as an 18-year-old, just so much class and, and so much composure off the half-back line. And, you know, he scored pretty much one score under 100 in the last four weeks, and that was um, non basically, you know, just a touch under. So, yeah, he's one that I guess you can consider. I wouldn't probably recommend it just because as an 18-year-old, you don't know when these kids will start to slow down. Um, but I guess Collingwood are in finals, deep in finals contention. So, you want your best players out on track, but yeah, Rich, I guess he's one that there's not too many surrounding that you could trade him, but um, I'd probably say Whitfield's your best option potentially. Um, if obviously you can trade up, then you've got likes of Dawson, who's put on a ridiculous set of scores since, you know, um, since the mid-year, and then you've got Sisley just keeps pumping them out. Um, Bailey Dale probably proved to a lot of people why He's going to be so beneficial scoring-wise with Caleb Daniel out of that side. He's, he's basically the main kicker in that side and, and today we'll take every kick out from now on in. Um, but, yeah, any other thoughts on that, Nathan? Well, luckily for the people who have Daniel Rich, so he scored 49. His breakout in was 65. So he's probably not going to drop too much. I'd say he's probably going to be around the 530k mark. Um, and there are some okay options around that price. So there's, um, so Bailey Dale is actually at that price. So I think he's probably going to be the most popular trading option, given the fact that I think they'll pretty much just about swap prices. So if you've got 15K, I think Rich to Dale will be a very popular one. 
Um, otherwise, yeah, you're probably looking at needing about 30 to 40k to go up to one of these, you know, bigger guys like Sicily and um, I think Dawson's probably too high now, but Doherty, he's only 40k more. Um, George Hewitt, he's a bit of a slump at the minute, but I think he'll he's still coming good. Um, so, yeah, I think with Rich, you've probably got more options. As for Zorko, um, unfortunately, if you've got Zorko, so he was 430,000. His break-even was 97, I think. Yeah, 97. The fact he only scored six, um, he's probably going to be around the 400k mark. And at that price, there really isn't a lot um, to choose from. Um, and in that case, I think it's almost worth taking a punt on a Whitfield um, or Nick Dacos or someone like that because they're... Um, or even... Um, oh, sorry about him, but yeah, Kadeen Coleman. Yeah, or Coleman. Yeah. Good. Um, I don't know what he's priced at the moment. Give me a sec. He's 407. He's 407. Yeah, I'd almost, I'd almost say he's probably the way to go. He looked real good against the dogs um and just showed with scoring he's been warming up since um coming off injury and whatnot but yeah he seems almost like a, a decent option especially now with rich and zorko out if if looking likely but he dominated with the other two out so he's one i guess you could take the risk on um if you don't want to go back to the likes of dacos and, and whitfield especially if you've had those two in the past i'd say coleman's a good POD, especially if you're playing for league. Um, there wouldn't be too many people out there that would be looking for him. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say Coleman's um, yeah, he's only a pretty good chat, actually. 3% of sides. And I think he really got going once, um, Zork, once um, Rich actually went off Kadeen Coleman as well. So, um, yeah, I think Coleman, I'd say probably Coleman, Dacos and Whitfield are probably the three I'd look at. Um, well, I don't mind Christian Salem either, actually, now that I look at it, um, given the fact I think Melbourne are flying. Um, as they look back to their best, I think as long as he can stay fit, I don't think he's a bad option either. Um, I don't really think there's anyone else here to really talk about from this game. So we'll move on to the other game. Hopefully Tim English is back um, yeah. next week. Um, we'll move on to this game here. Um, so, um, I don't really know who to talk about from this game. Uh, Hunter Clark, this, this one hurts. I think this is going to probably hurt you, Thomas. I know you're a big Hunter Clark fan. Um, probably not really super coach relevant, given the fact he's been injured most of the year. Um, but for, from a Saints perspective, he's probably going to be out for a couple of weeks and it's probably a big loss for St Kilda. What, what do you think? And Dougal Harold as well. Um, so um, they're probably two players that St Kilda will definitely need if they're going to play finals. So well, as a Saints fan, um, how big a loss are these two players? Um, yeah, obviously Hunter Clark had a horrible run with injury. Unfortunately, um, came back, was was meant to come back a couple of weeks earlier, then got stuck with COVID protocols and then comes back and barely is able to string two games together before getting his nose basically broken in, in multiple parts. So um, not nice. He'll miss a chunk of footy a game. But I guess Hunter Clark is, is probably, probably wasn't playing the great 
greatest um, standard of footy going to the last couple of weeks. So it's probably not going to hurt as much as probably Dougal Howard hurts a little bit more. But, uh, you know, if we're able to get, I think Darrow Joyce is knocking down the door and Sandy and doing a, a decent job. Highmore came on um, and did extremely well yeah. given the circumstances and, and look, the reason why he should have been picked a, picked a few weeks earlier. Um, but other than those two, I guess, looking on the Carlton side, I want to have your opinion on, on two players in particular, obviously um, Doherty and Cripps. So Doherty, very disappointing, I guess, and, and hurt me as an owner with 75. Um, are there some concerns there or, or do you think, it's more of a blip in the radar and he'll go back to his best um, next week. And obviously Cripps, if you have more trades, do you reckon he's someone that could be on the chopping block for even a Walsh or in Parish or whoever, um, just because it just doesn't seem to be cracking. Like he's had the last couple of weeks, sub hundreds. It's pretty frustrating. As an owner, if you had say seven trades, full team ready to go, would you be warranting a trade to someone like a Steel who's who's bounced back pretty nicely after um, his injury and, and someone that's, you know, even a Petrarca or, or someone like that who's just, you know, found another gear and is, is able to pump out these 160 pluses, whereas Cripps the last couple of weeks has really suffered and, and not scored as well as likely? Yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned about Doherty. Um, I think the way Carlton... The way St Kilda played, I think they just got overwhelmed and um, I think they just, yeah, I think it was just a bit of an off night for Carlton. Um, so I wouldn't be too concerned about Doherty now. Um, I was actually going to ask you about that exact trade um, about Cripps to Jack Steele. So you stole that one for me. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, we know that uh, we went through this early on in the year, I think, with Jack Steele. So he's... He does seem to average more in the second half of the year. Um, so with him getting back to some continuity, and I think St Kilda have a bit of a tough run home as well. I think those higher contested type of matches will suit Jack Steele perfectly. So, yeah, I think if, you, if you've got the trades left, like you've got no injuries and you've still got, say, four or five trades, I'd probably almost consider jumping off Crips and going over to Steel. I think you probably only need about 30k. Um, I think Jack Steel will probably be at his lowest price this week, given the fact I think that injury-affected score comes out of his scoring cycle this week. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a way for Jack Steele. And, yeah, Cripps, he just is labouring a bit. Um, I think he might be maybe preserving himself. I think Carlton are pretty much guaranteed to play finals now, given the fact that both Port Adelaide and Gold Coast both lost. So, um, yeah, I think he might be just preserving himself a bit for a big September tilt for Carlton. So, um yeah, I think if you've got the trades, I think Crips to Steel probably isn't the worst option. And as for Walsh, um, I think the thing with Walsh, and this got highlighted by um, um, by David King and Daniel Hoy at, at Champion Data, that Walsh is one of the most inconsistent players, and that's because of his disposal efficiency. So when he's on... He scores really well, but when he's off, 
his scoring comes way down and his um, impact on games comes way down when he's off. So that's just something to keep in mind. Um, but you can't deny the talent that he's got. So, yeah, I think Cripster Steel is probably a good option there. Um, what about... Um, I don't really... Is there anyone else you want to touch on from yeah. this game? I think we'll move on. Yeah, I don't really think there's anyone to touch on. So moving on to this um, Essendon-Sydney game, which was a bit of an upset, actually, um, with Essendon winning. Um, Just quickly, have you got Massimo D'Ambrosio? And if you didn't have him, would you regret not getting him in based on his performance on Saturday, which I actually watched that game, and he looked really, really good off. Off yeah, the wing. he's what, off, what? off the half back one. Yeah, the wing. Um, pretty impressive. I, I mean, I, I jumped in as my last rookie downgrade, so I've been pretty happy with him. Unfortunately, luckily for me, I haven't really had to use a loop or something. I've got Jacob Ware and and D'Ambrosio. It would have been nice if one of them were in the midfield or in the forward line to cover English for the last couple of weeks, but you definitely can't complain. And, and this is a conversation I guess we'll have when, when Stuart pops up and if English misses another week is, um, well, mainly Stuart is, you know, can you just afford to hold someone like him or, or another um, injured defender? Because there are a few around and yeah, D'Ambrosio just keeps impressing, impressing and I don't think he'll lose his spot off that for sure. Um, very talented player and, and uses the ball extremely well. Yeah, uh, I also jumped on D'Ambrosio and uh, I actually um, took his 83, which was a mistake in the end, which we'll touch on later on with someone else. Um, but um, the the Sydney Swans, so they've been a hard side to get a read on away from Supercoach. They've been a hard side to get a read on. And um, obviously Parker Mills... And Heaney all had probably down games this week. Um, what are you... Obviously, I think Parker's probably safe given that he's a forward, but have you got concerns about Mills and Isaac Heaney especially, who I am jumping off this week? <laughs> um, um, have you got any concerns with those two or do you think they can bounce back? Yeah, well, Heaney in particular, I mean, obviously I got rid of a while ago. Um, and you unfortunately hopped on and and uh, we'll get rid of this week, which we'll, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, yeah, he's been really disappointing. Um, apparently had some knee issues or something in the game from what I heard and just didn't really get going. But I think we've just got to accept accept this from Heaney is he'll have his moments where he goes and midfield scores 140 but just isn't sustainable for the full 22-23 uh, round season. Yeah, the really disappointing one that I think a lot of people thought would be easily top six was just Callum Mills. has been really um, disappointing for the last couple of weeks for owners. He was lucky to get to the 85, I think. Um, 13 disposals and a goal is, is and it reflects in his dream team when you're scoring 54. Um, was very lucky to get 85. Apparently scored like 20 points for that goal he scored late in the fourth quarter. Um, that was a interesting score by Champion Data and I don't think it was warranted. But yeah, he's. I think the reason why he's obviously suffered is just not getting given the ball. The likes of um, Dylan Stevens coming on has, has impacted his scoring a little bit. I think um, 
just taken our points off him a little bit. But yeah, just being really disappointing with with Mills and obviously someone you're not going to trade out because at any given time you can go 160. Um, but someone that I guess exactly the same as Petrarca in a sense is that he's just been disappointing over the last couple of weeks and. Yeah, Sydney have a lot to play for now with, with losing that to Essendon and having so many more chances in them. Um, you'd, you'd expect them to bounce back at some point. But yeah, if you're an owner of one of those players, especially even Luke Parker, I think he was like 70 points at half time and really died out as well. So yeah, pretty frustrating for those guys. And especially if you're an owner of any of them, um, yeah, pretty disappointed. Yes, and as I said, I've had enough of Isaac. He will be gone from Journeyman's FC this weekend. <laughs> it's just a matter of figuring out who to uh, bring in for him. So moving on to this um, Adelaide-Melbourne game, and uh, I think pretty much everyone scored as expected, but I will touch on Petrarca. So um, if there's a game where it's set up for someone to dominate this is the game it was a very scrappy first half and Petrarca's ball use and skill stood out um and in the end Melbourne ran away with it but 189 he has been actually a bit disappointing for owners but he bounced back in a big way um he's probably going to be around the 500k mark now after that score um can he be a bit of a cheaper option for, say, a Crips, because you'd probably almost be downgrading Crips to Petrarca. And given the fact that Melbourne are, seem to be at least back to their ball hunting best, um, is this a good time to jump on Petrarca? Yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if you jumped on this week. I mean, I wouldn't condone it to just go happy, you know, pull the trigger, 100% bring him in, um, because we know he's capable of scoring the 90s and between 90 to 400 quite consistently. But, yeah, this game he played ridiculously well. He obviously, he didn't play much in the midfield, so what he was, it was I watched basically the whole game. So, yeah, high half forward um, could well be the case where he plays that role and pushes into the midfield through rotation and pushes back onto the forward line, which he's one of the best players in competition to do that. And that just showed he dominated. Um and when he's doing that, he's guaranteed a good score. Um, and Oliver did what Oliver did. I mean, 176, his break-even on Supercoach, or not break-even, his projected score is 198 or something. He got yeah, very, very close to doing that. Yeah, 193. So he got very, very close to doing that. Um, yeah, can't complain at all with those two. That Those two really uh, put a put a lift in my step when um, on the Saturday afternoon, alongside Rory Laird and Jordan Dawson. Um, but yeah, Petrarca in particular, I guess, is one that we all know how damaging he is as a player. And when he gets on a roll like this, he's pretty hard to stop. And then they've got a not a must-win match, but a, you know they want to win that game against Geelong on Thursday night, and he could be one that could really tear open that game. Yeah, and uh, obviously we'll touch on Roy Lee again. Another 130 score. Um, so he's ever since he's come back, ever since that round one score. Um, he's only he has not gone under 130 since his first. I mean, he has not gone under 105 since his first game. So um, he is well and truly cemented himself as a premier midfielder from a super coach perspective. And obviously, um, the 32 disposals and one goal one um, is testament to that. Um, uh, otherwise, I think everyone else in this game pretty much. Did as expected from a super coach perspective. I think Dawson went huge. O'Brien, 
um, was someone yeah. who we touched on um, last week as a bit of a cheaper ruck option, and he fired without Melbourne picking a ruckman. Um, so, yeah, I think pretty the much other, that game. The other oh, yeah, person I'd say, if you're really strapped for cash um, for an option like a Zorko or or even you want to go down significantly, someone that I wouldn't mind and wouldn't hate the option would be Stephen May. So he dominated, obviously, with the intercept marks. He's not going to do this every week, and he's got a tough assignment against Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron on Thursday night. But he's going to be below 400K. He had a break-even of 152 and was not really, obviously, going to hit that. But his low score of bar that injury-affected game of 15, I think it was, um, and the 66 that he had previous to this game and coming back into the swing of things, Seems like he's found his intercepting best form before that. His low score was 72. So, yeah, he's one that you could almost bring in and then loop um, around accordingly if you really wanted to do that. And an option, I guess, um, for those of you who've got Zorko, who who we below 400k, I mean, he's going to be a light-for-like swap. Um, and obviously he plays a key position, but he takes kickouts for days and, um, when he's, he's intercepting best, he's pretty hard to stop and, and showed that on a weekend as well. So, yeah, he's so important for that Melbourne side. And I guess he's not a bad option if you're looking for a cheaper cheaper player and someone that even if you've got six defenders, you could easily loop as a, as a D7 if you've got the trades to do so. Yeah, I would probably say he's a good cheaper option. I just had a look now. Yeah, he's 397. His break was 152, as you said. So, yeah, he's probably going to be about 360K. Um, and yeah, I think so. That you're probably saving 40k by doing that trade. Um, moving on to the game of the round. Um, definitely not the game of the round. This was a absolute massacre after quarter time. Um, so I don't really think there's anyone we need to touch on from this game. It was good to see Daniel Field back out there, but um, I don't think he's Super coach relevant. Um, but I do want to touch on these key forwards for Geelong. So I know a couple, a few weeks ago, you actually flagged bringing in one of these key forwards being Cameron um, or Tom Hawkins. Um, do you think that they're still viable options? Say if you want to jump off a Heaney or say if, if, um, if you can somehow swing... Aaron Hall down into the forward line if you're still holding on to, say, a McCartan or someone like that. Um, can Hawkins and or Cameron be a good option? Um, yes and no. I mean, yeah, it's, it's I think you, you take them with um, a grain of salt with their score to that in this, in this game. I mean, they absolutely... Gave North Melbourne a bath, and you just see the scores there. Tom Hawkins got 20 disposals, six goals, could have easily been nine goals. Um, Jeremy Cameron, only less than 120 for 30 disposals, plus four goals, three. And a lot of these was were, were scored when the game was over, so that's why the scores went off the charts, and I guess half the Geelong team did really well. Um, but, yeah, it, it's one that I guess I wouldn't do it if you're going for overall, obviously, because they're always prone to a stinker, and... All you have to do is just clamp them down and they won't score. Um, if I had to pick between the two, probably Jeremy Cameron takes the, the vote just because he's more versatile, will push up the ground wall, gets a second defender, things like that. But 
yeah, I'd say Tom Hawkins. I think he's priced real low as well. Um, yeah, Tom Hawkins to, four forty-five and Jeremy Cameron's five thirty. Yeah, I wouldn't if that's the case. I think purely based on price, um, you know, you just take Tom Hawkins if you were desperately in need of, of someone else because he's capable of doing the same thing. Obviously, scored higher than Cameron, and I wouldn't take Cameron at five thirty just because that's pain. The same as the likes of Liberatore and those who have scored really well. Um, but I want your thoughts on, obviously I have him, but um, is there any danger of Goldstein moving forward or, or do you think it was just an absolute shocking game uh, from the entire North Melbourne division? Uh, look, I don't know what to make of North Melbourne at the minute. Um, I think they're in need of a massive reset. Um, I'd be surprised if... Um, I know I've only got, what have we got, six or seven weeks left. I would still be surprised if David Noble saw out the year. Um, yeah. I don't know what to make of North Melbourne at the minute. Um, I think they're just in need of a massive reset. Um, Aaron Hall getting injured doesn't help them either. Um, the fact that he's probably their best rebounding halfbackman um, and he got injured quite early in that game as well. Um, the fact that they played Ben McKay in the forward line, despite having Hawkins and Cameron against them, was bewildering. Um, they only had 25 inside 50s for the whole game uh, down there, which is never going to get the job done against anyone. So um, I, I don't know what's going on there. I don't think I could trust any North Melbourne player at the minute. Yeah. So if, you've got, if you've got any... Um, I'd probably be looking to jump off them because I think these sides who are in the top sort of 10 sides who are probably only the, the 10 sides left, um, I think they'll become a percentage booster and I wouldn't be surprised if, I don't know what North Melbourne's run home's like, but if they've got any one of those top 10 sides, um, look out because I think this could be pretty much a go-to and you're going to have this problem, and you can't have Goldstein scoring a 55 in a prelim final in Supercoach. It'll cost you. So if you've got any and you've got the trades left, I'd probably be jumping off. I guess the good thing about Goldstein um, yeah. is he does have some price behind him. So I think I think Sean Darcy's pretty much at the same price as him now. Um, so I'd be just about doing the switch from Goldstein to Darcy if you've got the money and just hoping that Sean Darcy can get through the season. Um, given the fact, I think Fremantle are still playing for top four spots. So, um, I think, yeah, I think Darcy, I think Goldstein out and Darcy in is probably a pretty good option, I reckon. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Obviously, um, in my personal situation, I've, I've got, I'm pretty strapped for cash because Goldstein was um, pretty much maxing myself out. But, I mean, in his defence, the whole team was a shambles and, and you know, who it was tapping down a no one. I mean, I didn't watch the game, but I could only assume that was the case. Um, obviously, the concern with, with Goldie is that you've got Sherry there as a secondary ruck who, who takes um, hit-outs as well, but um, and he even scored higher than Goldie. So, yeah, I think it's a bit of a shambles. I'm not too concerned, considering that Goldie scored a 120 against O'Brien last week, and he played against um, Blitzarves and Stanley, who were known to mitigate Ruckman quite effectively. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see against your mob next week. He plays Darcy Cameron and Mason Cox. Um, I guess the benefit that he goes forward, he doesn't have to worry about Darcy Moore as well. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I guess, you know, I'd, I wouldn't be dropping off. You've got Oscar McInerney who did the same thing, um, scored a 60-odd, and he was one that was touted to have a strong end to the season. I guess the benefits with Ruckman is that they can – you're not – you're not going to be suffering a 20 or 30 pointer anytime soon, hopefully, um, just because they're going to get tap outs. They're going to be around the ground somewhere. But, you know, if any, if anything, that North Melbourne need to respond um, ASAP after that smack against the, your mob next week, um, yeah. which would be a big game, I think, for both teams involved because obviously you Collingwood can't lose that game in North. You know, would want to win that game to, 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 to prove any credentials. And then basically, I think... Um, David Noble's playing for his job. But I guess a quick one for you, Nathan, is what are your thoughts on replacements, Farron Hall? Obviously, people brought him in um, for a Stewart replacement, but, yeah, looked basically pinged his hammy, or I think it was a calf in the first five minutes of the game, and I guess that, that was the warning. Um, bringing in someone like a Hall, and he's, he, he basically scored 20 points in about five minutes and looked like he was going to easily turn up. Um, but what are your thoughts on trade-outs, Farron Hall? Um Similar vote to Zorko and, and Rich Hiroshimi. Yeah, I think go through the options we had for Zorko and especially Rich. Um, I guess it's a little bit harder for Hall because he's he's not he's only five hundred and eight K. Now luckily for him, his break even was fifty one, so he's probably not gonna fall too much below five hundred K. Um, but still like if you've got 40 like you still need 50k to go up to a bailey dale um you know you still need a 40k to go up to dan houston um you know you've got andrew brayshaw i mean not andrew angus brayshaw um i think jonas's mate isaac Cumming might be a good option at that price um so yeah i think if you've got the 50k, I think just play it safe, go up to Dale. But otherwise, um, refer to our options for um, Rich and move on, I guess. Um, but you probably shouldn't have brought him in um, in the first place, given that he, he's literally a walking hospital, as we say, um, and his body just lets him down all the time. So, um, yeah, so moving on to this game here, the Giants, the Giants, the Gold Coast and Collingwood game. Um, so I know we spoke about this player as a potential trading, but can you possibly bring back in Nick Dacos, given that I think his four-game average is over 120, and he went 143 on the weekend with 37 disposals, and I think his kicking efficiency was 92%, and I think at one stage he had like 20 kicks and he was going at 100% by foot. So if he continues up ball use, um, he's going to end up being a top eight, top ten defender by the end of the year if he's not already there. Um, can you bring him in or do you, do you have your worries about picking up a first-year player this late in or do you even have a rule where you can't bring back in someone who you've already traded out? Yeah, it'd be a bit frustrating you bring him in and he, and he just stuffs it up again but yeah he looked really impressive um last couple of weeks this was obviously 
Um, one of the first times I've watched him play full and he, yeah, he dominated. It was no Gold Coast player nearby him. Um, they probably didn't pay the respect that he deserved. He's just so clean. When he gets the board, he, he was going at 100% disposal efficiency rate for a lot of it. Um, I think the one issue is, as you alluded to, he's a first-year player, so you've still got six, seven rounds left. You're going to um, come up against some teams that, you know, obviously you play North Melbourne next week. Even though he's probably going to score really well there, you've got a couple crunch games towards the end of the season. I think the worst possible scenario is you, you bring him in thinking he's going to be a premium and then gets absolutely cleaned up in a, in a pretty contested affair. So it's one that I personally wouldn't uh, indulge in, but I know there'll be players out there that might take the risk on him. I'm just, would be very surprised in the next couple of weeks if, if opponents, defenders don't, I mean, you know, then maybe they play a defensive forward on him or something just to quell his influence. Another issue could be moving forward. I mean, he's clutching at straws more. So he's obviously Darcy Moore. Uh, seemed to initially thought it was an ACL, but it seems more like a hyperextension. Could be just a PCL injury the way he landed. Um, but if he's out, I don't know how that affects the whole structure of Collingwood and whether those smaller defenders who, who get a lot of cheap ball, obviously John Noble, Braden Maynard, um, whether that's been more accountable for their direct opposition rather than running off and um, looking for that cheap one too and, and driving forward. But yeah, like he just reminds me of what Sinclair's doing at St Kilda and. Um, it's very obvious, evident when, um, you know, when when the opposition put a defensive forward on him, he, he quelled his influence a fair bit. And I wouldn't be surprised if they had to Dacos just to quell his feathers a bit. It could be getting his tail up a little bit as a first-year player dominating, but wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, you know, that happens. And um, there's someone else I want to touch on quickly would be Isaac Rankin, um, someone that is just, you know, gone under the radar, I think, and it's just absolutely dominated. Um, not necessarily matches and match winners and whatever, but super coach scoring just keeps getting it done week in, week out as kind of just a consistent player that no one expected. He was not even probably in the best 22 for Gold Coast earlier in the season. It's just, um, you know, just dominated week in, week out as provided a scoring outlet for Gold Coast. You think if you wanted to go completely point of different in a league in a league situation, you would go down that route, or do you think now the Gold Coast are pretty much out of finals with that amount of injury, injuries they've got? You think that he's just going to tire out um, as the season goes on? What are your thoughts on Rankin? Um, well, considering the fact that the last time these two sides played, he only scored three points. Um, he had three kicks and five handballs for the whole game, so. It's a 107-point turnaround from Rankin. Um, look, a small forward in a side that's out of probably out of the finals race now, you'd think, I think they've got one last chance. I think the fact that they play Richmond this week, and I think Richmond are currently in seventh place, might keep them in the race, but it's definitely their last chance. So I think... For Gold Coast, this is literally their elimination final against Richmond. If they don't win this, they I don't think they can make the finals. So I don't think you can pick a player just based on one week um, because they're, the concern is, is if they do lose to Richmond, um, then what happens to their motivation, what happens to their um, way? Does it all just fall in a heap or do they just because they're really just playing for pride now. They're not really playing for anything. So um, 
it could help him because he is one of those players who seems to be who seems to relish just being given the freedom. So um, with them just playing for pride, it could also help him. But um, yeah, I don't think I could go down that path. Um, and the fact is, four thirty six k. I think I'd rather go and pay the extra hundred odd k, or even the fifty k and get Adam Chalor. Um, or even go up further to say a Parker or a Bonton Pally or someone like that over him just for consistency. Um, but I want to get your thoughts here on Jared Witts, um, who only scored the 63 points. Um, so he was the number one Ruckman, I think, for a lot of the year. He's just tapered off in the last sort of three or four weeks. Um any concerns here with Wits? Um, or I, I guess you probably can't really get rid of him unless you've got five or six trades left. Um, but is this a case of just hoping he turns it around? Yeah, it's pretty pretty frustrating as an owner. I mean, I brought him in basically he's 617k and he's now scored me two sixties and, and a 140, obviously, against a ruckless port, which, I mean, any, any half-decent ruck, we can do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is it is concerning. I'm not exactly sure what the issue was, um, whether he's battling or or he's just tiring out. I mean, at points it felt like Darcy Cameron was out rucking him um, at stoppages, even though Wits is a lot taller and a lot stronger. Um, but I want, yeah, it would be interesting to hear your thoughts if if it was a situation where you thought Cameron just completely outmuscled him or you feel that. Um, there is something underlying that he's just struggling with a little bit. But, yeah, he just didn't seem to cover the ground that effectively and just really didn't get in the game at all. Um, even against Port Adelaide, he, he started really slowly and then got going real quickly. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts. But there is a fair bit of concern there. It's a similar situation um, to, to Goldie in a sense that, it is concerning that they're pumping out these. I mean, obviously, North Melbourne's a completely different scenario. Gold yeah, it's a goal finals. Coach, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there'd be a bit of concerns there when he's not even hitting a 70. Um, but, yeah, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, Nathan, on, on, on Wits and what are your thoughts on, on his performance against Collingwood? Presumably, you watched that game. Yeah, I did, except for the last two minutes because my family members couldn't watch it, so I turned off the television. But um, I think the thing with Wits... Um, I'm not sure what his markings like, but he didn't seem to clunk many marks on the weekend. Um, he only had two marks on the weekend, which you would expect for someone who's as tall as him. He's 209 centimetres. You'd probably expect him to take more marks than that. Like by comparison, um, Darcy Cameron had six marks. Um, Mason Cox had a bit of a quieter game, um, but he's a bit of a bigger game player. But, um, yeah, I think the problem, like, is Collingwood, Darcy Cameron actually won the hitouts against him, which I think is a massive concern given the fact that Darcy Cameron, for all intents and purposes, is only a second Ruckman who's playing as a number one Ruckman. Um, but... You know, I think the Gold Coast Suns were still good enough to win the clearance battles. So, um, yeah, I think he's. I think he's just in a bit of a slump at the minute. Um, 
I think you've just got to hang on to him. I don't think there's really much you can do. You've just got to hope that he turns it around. I mean, he's not the number one ruckman for no reason. So um, I think you'd be clutching at straws to trade him out. But, yeah, it's definitely not ideal timing for him to have a bit of a uh, lull. And uh, someone else whose timing is probably one of the worst times to have a bit of a quieter game is Jack Crisp. And we'll touch on Dugowie at the same time as well. So, Crisp, only the 18 possessions and 79 super coach points. And Dugowie, only 11 disposals and 44 points. Um, you probably wouldn't have Dugowie given the fact that he's missed the last week. But what are your thoughts on Jack Crisp? Um, I know our colleague Jonas is a little bit concerned about his ability to win the ball in contest. Um, so what do you think about Crisp going forward? Yeah, he was pretty much non-existent for a lot of it, and whenever he got the ball, he just butchered it. Um, I remember that last five minutes of play, just every time he got the ball, he turned it over, which was pretty would be pretty frustrating for an owner. He did salvage his score somewhat. I think it was only 35 points at three-quarter time. So yeah, he was. Or, or, you know, it, he did it quite well to get back to an 80. Um yeah, there is some concern, and you can probably blame Nick Dacos for his... Yes, I think you can as well. <laughs> fall down. Um, yeah, Chris... They, I mean, to be fair, they got beaten in the midfield, unfortunately. Miller and, and Rao just dominated. Noah Anderson, Anderson there as well, yeah. which I guess is a little Wall-low. bit concerning moving, yeah, moving forward against the premier midfields of the competition. I mean, when Grundy comes back, it'd be a different story. But, yeah, Chris, I just don't think fits the mould of that midfield quite well. Um plays a lot better when he's at sweeper role, when he gets the ball out and then just boots it forward or he plays at half-back role really well. And, yeah, Nick Dacos, obviously, probably not mature enough to go into the midfield quite yet in the centre-bounce rotation. Um, and I think that's negatively impacted Crisp significantly. I mean, you'd be wanting to trade out if you got the trades because I don't think he's just... Yeah, he's just one that, I guess, moving into next season, we recruit and suit the coach next year. If, that, if the case may be, I mean, Chris probably doesn't end up in my starting team just because he's consistent and he plays every game. But, yeah, he's, he's just prone to these awkward scores in the back end of the season when we're really wanting our premiers to do so well. And, and you've got likes of Sinclair, Dawson, Sicily just dominating 130-pluses every single game. Um, a 79 in a, in a game where, you know, you expect a lot more for him. But, yeah, he's pretty frustrating, but I guess... There's not much you can do, and hopefully that he'll bounce back, plays north, obviously, on next weekend. So should hopefully, fingers crossed, get a pretty decent score there, um, considering you want to win that game to kind of rubber stamp your, your claims in a top-head position. But, yeah, he's one that there are some concerns, but, again, there are probably more pressing concerns rather than Chris, but I wouldn't be trading out, just because I think if you're strapped for cash as well, if you had you know a lot of cash, a lot of trades, Different story, but if you strike for cash, you might want to hold on to him against North Melbourne and see how he goes. Yeah, I think the North Melbourne game might be a bit more of his style of game, um, given that I would expect Collingwood to run all over the top of North Melbourne, given what we saw against Geelong. So I think I'd be holding on to Crisp um, and, yeah, hoping that he can bounce back. Um, I, don't, I don't think we need to yeah, touch on the going. Um, no, I don't think we need to touch on Dugowie. I think if you've got him, just get rid of him. Um, I think he might go gangbusters next week because they're playing North Melbourne, but um, as a Collingwood supporter, 
Um, I definitely hope that he can bounce back. Um, moving on to today's game, so the Richmond West Coast game. So obviously the big news out of this game, I don't think many people would have him, but obviously Dustin Munn copped a hamstring in during the third quarter, um, which um, I think Damien Hardwick just described as hamstring awareness, which I have no idea what that means. Um, so the fact that it's a hamstring probably places him in doubt for next week or at least a test. Um, what would you be doing if you one of these souls that has dusted none? Would you be looking at moving him on, given the fact he has a hamstring injury, or do you look at it the other way and go, well, he got 92 from three quarters, um, so he might be worth keeping. What What do you think? Yeah, I'd be very surprised if anyone had um, Dustin Martin, unfortunately. Um, I think if you do have him, you just wait and see whether or not... Um, He'd play next week if they just rested him, considering they knew, even though West Coast did make a fight back, they knew that he'd come back um, on top of it and and and, and um, see how he goes there. But yeah, I, I'd, I'd say that um, you just hold hold him if you do have him and just see what happens from there. Yeah, and uh, obviously the other injury, I don't think anyone would have him. In fact, 226 people have this player, but Elliot Yo. Um, who has been moved to a half-back line, but he also did his hamstring. Um, so that's, I guess that's unfortunate for him, given his wretched run with injury. All right, so um, I just want to quickly touch on this player. So I know a few weeks ago you actually spoke about getting rid of this player, but Jaden Short for Richmond um, only scored the 82 points again, and he's been really disappointing for probably the last month or so. Um, yeah, probably the last three weeks. Um, what are you doing with Jane Short? And is this just a case of unfortunately just having to keep him, or do you think you're in a position where you might be able to potentially get rid of him? What What are you doing with Jane Short? Um, I'm probably a bit. I mean, I've got four trades, so kind of hold off a little bit longer and until Supercoach finals and things like that when I'm pulling triggers like that. Um. Yeah, he's in a situation where he's been affected by his positioning. Um, Daniel Rioli's benefited from from that. I mean, basically, um, not swap roles, but because, yeah, short's gone in the midfield. Um, the defence is really, well, the defenders in that Richmond side have benefited from him um, getting all the points or kickouts. Because, yeah, he was obviously someone that dominated from kickouts and, and the cheap ones who's, um, is, yeah, just I think because Presti has gone, I've liked having short in there with the long kicks and things like that. But it's, yeah, for super coach wise, it's worse than a thing you can imagine because um, he's losing 40 points basically every single game because the contested nature of the midfield, he's not getting it um, as easily as he'd want. And as a as a result of that, his, his efficiency kicking wise is just really impacted, I believe. So, and, and yeah, just disappointing and, um, when you're losing 30 to 40 points because of a positional change, you couldn't spell any more danger. So one that I think I'm just going to have to hold out and hopefully um, he bounces back. But, yeah, at the moment, the best you can expect from short is about a 90, which is very, very frustrating. But I'm assuming that a lot of people either just don't have enough trades to facilitate that or um, there's not anyone around that be screaming, pick me, um, instead of instead of short. So he's one that I guess you just hold on to and, and maybe hope that 
he moves back in defence if any time sooner. He just gets another ton somewhere down the track, but doesn't look likely at the minute. No, um, and I'll just quickly touch on it. It was good to see Nick Nat Anui back for West Coast. Um, he might come into calculations for Supercoach finals if one of these other Ruckman don't. I mean, if one of these other Ruckman get injured given his scoring power, but then again, there's question marks over his body, but when he plays, he scores. So um, I think Nick Nanui might be a potential option if, say, an English or a Wits goes down injured or you're looking to sideways someone. I think Nick Nat will come into calculations there. Uh, moving on to this uh, Western Sydney and Hawthorne game, which was an absolute um, downpour up there in Sydney. Poor old... Uh, I think Sydney is due for about 150 mil of rain today and it, it showed with this game literally being played on a mud paddock. Um, but obviously... Um, the Giants here having one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players scoring over a hundred, and and then another four in the ninety mark. Um, so um, I want to touch on Harry Himmelberg real quick. So a hundred and one. Um, can has he got to the point now where if you took the punt on him a few weeks ago? Um, where you can just keep him as a F6, um, or do you still plan on trading him at some point down the line? What are you doing with him? Um, yeah, I mean, I obviously picked him up at not his lowest point, but after a couple, um, you know, good scores, I picked him up at low 400s. I guess he's one that, yeah, you just keep riding the wave, and I don't think you'll be trading him anytime soon. You just, to score 101 in his role, um, where... It was absolute shit show of weather. Um, you'd be more than happy with, and he just keeps scoring. He just, I think the difference between him and another defender is he's just so effective with his kicks inside 50. He can boot hoof about 60, 70 metres. Yeah. Um, and he's a, he's a kick, main kick out taker for GWS at the moment um, just because he's so effective in starting their attacks. And, and they've done it a couple of times where he just kicks it down the middle and they've started a goal, goal chain through him. So... I definitely wouldn't be trading him out, even, you know, maybe once he starts, maybe if they make the switch permanently and after a week or two, he really suffers with his forward line, um, if he's back in the forward line. But, yeah, if he's stuck in, in defence and he stays in defence, there'd be no reason why, because at the moment he's scoring like a top six forward. Yeah, he's obviously 101. So I think his break even was 113. So he's probably going to drop slightly money-wise. So... Um, if we only had him in for money, which originally I did, um, I think now is probably the time to get rid of him. But the way that he's scoring, um, I don't think you could um, get rid of him. Um, and obviously, as someone who I think we forgot to mention, um, I think Isaac Cumming is still a good option if you're scratching around for, say, a Rich or a um, or Aaron Hall. I think Isaac Cumming is just below the 500k mark um so i think coming is definitely someone who you could probably um get onto and uh speaking of um bringing back players in so i know i think you were unfortunately someone who traded out stephen canelio um oh no i know you've kept him yeah so uh, if you've got isaac heaney and say you've got 
Um, I don't know how, what the price difference will be. Probably 100k now, close to it. How much is Canelo? Five, yeah, like 570. 540, so you need yeah. 130k. Um, could you potentially bring in Canelo again for Heaney? Um, yeah, I guess he's one that is is prone to potentially moving into a mid-forward role occasionally, but it just seems like under the counts of McVeigh's um, caretakership, he's not going to move there anytime soon. And, yeah, he's one that is going to finish off probably in the top six forwards because of his move into the midfield. He's one that, um, I guess, you know, there are risks here and there with him um, just with, you know, his, his ability to pump out some low scores. But I guess if you've got the option to, I wouldn't see why not. That's a bad idea. If you've got your Bonten Pellies, you've got your, you know, whoever else is in the top six forwards, you've got your Timmy Wishes, even though he's been missing for a while. You've got everyone else. I think he's one that, you know, not a must-have, but if, you, if you're looking for a trade-in, but someone that's close to, um, just because we all know how well he scores. Um, and for anyone to score... You know, get 31 disposals in an absolute torrential downfall, and and you're not getting um, better scores because it's wet. And they, you know, champion data has been nice, and they're just giving um, plus threes to every kick. That you're going to still be impacted because of turnovers and things like that. And for him to score, have 31 disposals in, in that sort of in those sort of conditions, yeah, he's just locked in. And I think they're not going to be moving him out of that midfield rotation anytime soon. I don't think so. Yeah, I think they'd be. Um... I think they'd be crazy to uh to move him out of the midfield given how well he's gone. Um so um I wanna talk about Jacob Woe or Where, however you say his name now. Um might be a bit of an odd one out here, but um I actually traded out Woe last week for D'Ambrosio, which allowed me to get in Marcus Bontempelli. Um if you say have D'Ambrosio and were, could mm-hmm. it be worthwhile actually moving on Jacob Woe, given where his value is and banking his money and potentially upgrading somewhere else if you're looking to do that? Do you think Woe is an option or do you think you just have to keep him because of his rolling the side and the fact that he's probably not going to get dropped. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's a tough one because, um, you know, it's it's one that I guess he's made his cash that in any other given situation, if it was mid-season, you'd trade him, happily take the money and move on, especially if you can afford someone like a Bontembele. Um, But, like, I've got a scenario where I've got D'Ambrosio and where it's just, as I said earlier on in the podcast, it's a bit unfortunate that I can't move one of them into the midfield or forward line or things like that. That would be very handy because basically I've got Judson Clark and Morris Rioli covering the other two lines until Mick Jones comes back or something like that. Um, so, yeah, he's one that I guess it's, it's helpful if you have both because, I don't know, hypotheticals, but just say a, a short goes down with a concussion misses a week. You can then loop Ambrosio and wear and take out whichever score you want. So in, in that situation, if you've got both um, and you have, say, below five trades, I wouldn't be entertaining. Getting rid of where to a non-playing rookie and just upgrading elsewhere, I think you just keep them on. If you have, again, seven to eight trades, 
and you want to upgrade, I don't know, a Heaney in your situation, Nathan, or or someone like it that's lost a lot of money um, and, and looks great to keep losing money or you have a Zorko or someone and you can really use that money to get to a Dawson or a Sicily, I'd 100% do that if that's the case. But I think just having the luxury of having those two on the pine um, is pretty useful when it comes, push comes to sub and you could miss a player, defender for a week and all of a sudden you've got those two that can easily or have shown to score a bit close to, you know, 80, 90 points. Yeah, I am... Um... I would go along with that too. Um, otherwise, I don't really think there's anyone else here to touch on from this game. Um, so yeah, let's we'll, move on to the last last game we'll, of the round. We'll move on to the last game, and then I've got one question for you, which we forgot to touch on earlier on um, in the podcast. But um, So this game here, so Fremantle and Port Adelaide. So I think this probably effectively ended Port Adelaide's season at least realistically I might still be any outside chance um but um so Nathan Fife so I don't think many people would have him um what what are we doing what are you what are your plans going forward for Fife do you think he's an option maybe for next year given where his price is going to be at um or do you think he's on your no-go list? What, what do you think the future holds for Fife? Yeah, I'd be incredibly surprised if 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 someone had Fife in their side, considering he just came back a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, this would be more of a conversation about next year. I just don't think um, he's an option anytime soon, unfortunately, um, just because they're now using him as a high half forward, similar to Petrarca in a sense where... He's not going into the midfield rotation as such, but he's just pushing up as an extra midfielder in the forward stoppages, um, which makes him real dangerous. And we all know how good Fife is. And I guess him not being in the midfield mitigates the risk of him being in- injured anytime soon. So, yeah, having him just forward is, is, a, is a pain for any defender, I think. Just an extra body is, is, is a very, um, you know, bulky midfielder as well. It's not like he's a skinny lad anymore and, you know, we just put him in the midfield, forward line to cover him a little bit. But, yeah, he can dominate a game off the forward line himself. So, just an extra addition to Frio, uh, Frio's dominance in the last couple of weeks. So, we're pretty lucky to get away with this game a little bit considering how well Port were coming back and they snuck home considering they were 40 points up and they dropped that margin down right back. But, yeah, <clears throat> it's one that I think is a no-go from here on in. Um, for next year and, and years coming, I think he's reached his kind of end in, in super coach relevancy unless he comes back into that midfield side. Because, uh, unless he's, you know, a different conversation maybe, and he could well be if he comes in mid forward status next year or a forward player, because we all know what he's capable of. But it's kind of hard to gauge what they're doing or what the plans are with Fife just because he's had his second game back from injuries galore, and it's going to take him at least a couple of weeks to find his feet. But come finals time and we all know what he's capable of. I wouldn't be surprised he just dominates a final series. Yeah. Um, and I want to touch on Dan Houston real quick so I can see he's got the band-aid next to him. I think he had a bit of a soft tissue problem. Um, uh, so only the 62. Um, I should just point out too that Supercoach has reopened. So there might be some quick things we touch on um, that we've previously gone over. But um, so... What would you do if you had Dan Houston and say he's going to miss weeks? This is hypothetically speaking. So he's going to miss, say, 
two or three weeks with a calf injury. Um, obviously, defender midfielder, what would you do if you had him? Is he a, a trade or do you think you can afford to keep him? Yeah, I think someone like Houston, I don't think he missed much. It didn't seem like a big issue when he came off. Um, definitely not one that's a long term. So, yeah, this would be the perfect opportunity, as I said, if you. If you hadn't, I know there's players out there that have got Nick Dacos on the bench, so perfect opportunity to put him on and, and reap the rewards, even if you have D'Ambrosio, where this is what I mean about swapping those two around and giving the best option and you not having to waste a trade to someone speculative, especially if you're strapped for cash, um, because Houston's obviously not the top-scoring defender and, and you probably don't have the luxury if you didn't have enough money. But, yeah, he's one of those situations where, you know, you, you use that benefit of having two decent bench players, and that's the whole reason why the bench covers there is to give you coverage um, where you're not suffering, say, a 60-point difference to what you additionally had when 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 um, Houston was on field. Yeah, um, so um, obviously I don't really think there's anything else to uh, talk about from this game. So um, one thing here, this is slightly off topic. Um, so... Um, if you are in our situation, so you've held Stuart and Tim English, um, obviously Stuart's still going to be out. I think it's to round, is it 19, I think it is? Um, yeah. Round 20. And Tim English, I don't know what's going on with Tim English. Um, well, we'll speak about Tim English first, given the fact that he's in a ruck spot and probably most people don't have a decent R3. Um, if Tim English misses again this week, um, what do you do with him given the fact that we're approaching the finals now and you need to have a 22-player complement on the field? Is it time to trade out Tim English or do you just have to hold him? Um, yeah, it's a really tricky one because... He's obviously not lost his value, which is really good. Um, who did they play this week, actually? Um, they play Sydney Swans on Friday night. Yeah, so he's one that it's a bit frustrating because I, I don't think – I'd be very surprised if he misses. It's a must-win game from them. They're, they're two sides that are very similarly based, and um, Hickey could you know, really dominate that ruck if English is not there just because I think – with Hickey being a, mo- a lot more mobile ruckman compared to someone like a McInerney on the weekend. I mean, they already got slaughtered without um, English on the weekend and they play Sydney, who even more mobile ruckman could really cause some damage around the ground. I think they probably just need English to play. Um, yeah, if he doesn't play this week, yeah, it'd be an interesting one because I, like, if you're playing for league, you, you probably hold. If you have a donor, I would entertain maybe moving down to a Darcy and just getting points on the field if you if you want to get a zero if you if you're looking down at the barrel of a zero um so it's one but then Darcy has a pretty tough ask against Ryder and Marshall next week so I wouldn't be expecting a huge score with Darcy for that St Kilda game um so he's one that yeah I I think if you're playing for overall that's when you look to trade if English misses another week but you've held this long I'd be pretty pretty frustrated to hold uh to to trade now um and you just hope that maybe every Oli or, or a Clark or someone else economy McDonald could just hold out for one more week um but yeah it'd be definitely frustrating Stewart's one that I guess you almost you know you've already if you if you held this long um you could potentially just keep holding the way that D'Ambrosio and, and where are going because you could probably get a 60 or 70 pretty comfortably 
Um, and as long as the rest of your team's pretty stock standard, especially if you say you didn't have Short and Crisp and you had Sicily and, and, and whoever else um, that are doing very nicely, then, yeah, you're more than happy. May as well hold him because it'd be a nice point of difference going into Supercoach finals, considering that Stuart got a 161. He hasn't dropped much in price. It'd be difficult for people to bring him back in um, towards the back end of the season. Yeah, so uh, as I said, so uh, so obviously Supercoach is reopened. So just touching on, so um, the jump from Patrick Cripps to Jack Steele is $23,000. Um, I would probably almost think about doing that, given the fact that that price difference is where it is. Um, but um, we'll just quickly go through some uh, vice captain and captain options early on. So um, I'll quickly get up the games for next week, um, and we'll let, we'll go from there. So um, do, 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 do. let me get them up. So round seventeen, and it's gone quickly. So uh, these are the first few games of the week. Um, so what what sort of catches your fancy from these games here? Because this is probably the games that we're probably going to pick. Um, what catches your fancy from those games? Um, it's an interesting one because you obviously look at immediately looking at uh, an Oliver type leading into the weekend as a VC option, but it's a tough one because I play the Cats who you know could put some work into Petrarca and Oliver. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. But, yeah, I'd probably put um, the VC on, a, on an Oliver just because we all know how well he can score. Um, and, you know, if he gets the 130 and 40, just take it. You'd hope that Gorn's back by then and, and provides premium rock service to those players. And then moving into the weekend, um, there's not too many options. I probably would want to stay away from the Dogs players in Sydney because Sydney like to restrict midfielders. Um, opposition midfielders, but looking onto the Sunday games, that's probably where my captaincy lies. You've got Neil against Essendon, um, especially if the Gabba could do some damage there quite considerably. And then Rory Laird, probably a very safe option, even a Jordan Dawson as well. Yeah, so um, I think that if Tim English is named, I'd almost give him the vice-captaincy, considering the fact last time these two sides... Um, he scored 152 points the last time these two sides played way, way back in round uh, three. Um, would, now, would, would it be crazy to put the vice-captaincy on Nick Dacos against North Melbourne? Could, could you actually do I that mean, if you had probably, Yeah, I mean, the way North Melbourne's probably going, you could probably do it. Um, um, but, yeah, be, wouldn't be surprised the, if North are that desperate and they put some pressure on him as well. But, yeah, it wouldn't be out of the realms of possibilities for, for Dacos. And I think the safest captain this week has to be Lockie Neal against Essendon. I think the last time these two sides play, he's got 198 points. So um, I think you'd be crazy not to put the, the captaincy on him. Um, but, yeah, I'm just quickly touching on um, – I've just done my – um, Heaney to Parker trade, and I've projected 2,700 this week. So um, I think there's going to be some big scores again this week. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, there'll be a few big scores coming up, that's for sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's, uh, that's all we've got time for today. And hopefully um, we'll probably look towards getting some guests on 
towards the latter end of the season, just see how those will be interesting to see how they goes those guys we brought on early, early on in the season went throughout this year. And uh yeah, hopefully you guys um have a solid season. Oh no, not a solid season, a solid week ahead moving into round seventeen. There's not many rounds to go and hopefully get your trade sorted and, and your team primed for the weekend and uh we'll catch you on the flip side for a look into another round of footy.